Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another fun episode of Surf and Sales. Um, we're back. It's November 30th. Scott and I just got back uh, from about 10 days in Costa Rica. Scott, how was the Surf and Sales experience this year, 2022, November, two sessions back to back? Fantastic. It's always a good time getting together 30 brand new people, 30 plus brand new people, actually. Um, and I, I can't wait to go back. Yeah, it, it, I, it, I'm, I'm still surprised that we don't run into any jerks or have just like a, a total whiff. Yeah. You know, like a dead group. It's bound to happen one of these days. I guess. No, it's not. Stop putting that shit out there. You fucking Buffalo Bills fan. Like, what are you doing? It's you the are... Western New Yorker in me, dude. I, yeah, I, I totally get it. Uh, what's one thing you learned? Like what you walked out of there. Like what's one thing that you were like, oh, that was super cool that you learned from somebody else. Not even from me or Jeff, but, you know, an attendee. You know, there was a really good session on uh, on product and how to communicate with product from a sales standpoint, how sales and product can can work better together. Yeah, that was a <clears throat> the first time that we'd gotten into that topic, I believe, at uh, at a surf and sales. And I'll give you a bonus one. You know, this new competition that we that we dreamt up and implemented implemented on the fly. Yeah, uh, was a lot of fun as well. Yeah, we did we did a we did a Shark Tank thing where we. Basically, people created half million dollar businesses in 30 to 45 minutes, and then they had to pitch it to us. And uh, and it was crazy because, you know, Scott has this amazing statement of like the key to success is reducing the distance between ideation and execution. Right. What is how do I reduce that delta in time? And so we really help people realize that you can build a business, a side hustle or even a core business quickly if you just take 20 minutes and think about it and start to put together your first step, not all of them. So yeah, it was amazing. And, and the ideas were fantastic. So I, yeah. I'm looking forward to doing it again in, uh, in May. Yeah. Looking forward to it. So yes, May, 2023 is up surfandsales.com. Um, go in, put down your deposit. There's only four private rooms left after a couple of people have signed up. So if you are the type who wants to have a private room versus sharing with one person, better go do it now because they'll be gone. They will be gone. Uh, super excited. Thank you to all of our sponsors of Vidyard, uh, Outreach.io, um, uh, Sendoso, Scratchpad, and MedRep Meeting for sponsoring the podcast as well as the events over the last year. We, we always appreciate them and encourage folks to check out our sponsors um, since they're here to support you. So we'll be back in just a minute and introduce you to our next guest. Uh, we look forward to it. All right, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back. We are super excited. I didn't even ask this um, of how they want to be introduced. So I'm just going to introduce him by name. Uh, his name is Donald Kelly. Donald, uh, we got to know you in the last year because we were all named part of the, you know, Salesforce influencer people to follow list. Right. Um, and I, I kind of knew of you, but I didn't know you. And we got to know each other over the years. So I'm super excited to spend a little more time with you. But Donald, how should we introduce you? How should you? What do you want people to know about you? Tell them what you do. Give them some context for who Donald Kelly is. Yeah, man. Um, Donald Kelly run the Sales Evangelist podcast, a Sales Evangelist Sales Training Organization. Um, a lot of our folks are new folks getting into into sales, into tech sales, and they're trying to learn how to build pipe, or maybe they've been uh, you know been around for a minute. Um, but they're converting from that BDR to that AE position, trying to become more effective at building pipe. I would say our superpower is all around building pipe. 
Um, and would love for them to check out our podcast and follow me on LinkedIn. Could be friends there. Nice. 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 All right. Sales evangelist, self-proclaimed Scott. He says he's a sales evangelist. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's so, living up, he's living up to his title so right. far. So <laughs> what is, and, and I don't mean this from an ego perspective, right? Like talk about that. Like where in your history experience were you like, man, there's not enough of this out there to help people. Cause I, I know you well enough to know your altruistic side. Right. Yeah, man. What like, and by the way, maybe the better question is before you started being the sales evangelist, were you a rep? What did you do? Give us some context for your, your path a little bit. Sure. So when I started, I, so growing up in Jamaica as a kid, everybody's selling. Um, and I'm sure you guys visit South, um, South America. You probably see that same notion, right? So in my mind, I didn't know what a salesperson was. I just knew what a business mind, you gotta be an entrepreneur. You gotta make money. So my, from my dad, God just wants to know how, how good was the green leafy stuff you were selling? No, my, no, (laughs) my, I run type of seal that in a man. (laughs) That's the after hours. That's the after hours podcast. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead. Don. Sorry. (laughs) So like, uh, but you know, just being around my family, uh, we had a shop on our house, man. And we, you know, it was like a local convenience store. So coming to the U.S. as a kid, I mean, the first thing I tried to sell was like mangoes, just climbing trees, picking mangoes and trying to hustle and sell them myself because I saw people. Wait, wait, wait. That, and that's you, where my book came from. You moved to the U.S. How old were you? I moved to U.S. when I was nine. So in age of nine, nine you're climbing old. trees, pulling mangoes, trying to sell them. Yep. That was you it. Got hustle that in the grind. Me. You got to. And then I became the candy man in middle school selling candy. So all of this stuff led to where eventually I got into um, I got into college. And my buddies were like, man, you should go into sales. And I'm like, what is that? And um, sales for me was just like being a business entrepreneur. So I started working out, working with some uh, companies where I did dish network over the phone. I did timeshare presentations. Then I started making some decent money doing um, selling IT training classes like the MCSC, the Net Plus, the C, um, C Plus and all of these different courses, then finally got into, um, I did door-to-door security one time as well to make some money uh, for a non-paid internship. So that was my college experience. A lot of it were more on a B2B side, B2C side. And then when I got into the IT training classes, I got into the B2B world um, a little bit, fell in love with that, then went into managed IT services. And for managed IT, I also came back to Florida and did some stuff in the in the home health, in the, in the senior care community where we sold to some of the large facilities throughout the state. Um, and then got into SaaS, um, the the playing, um, uh, software, and that was fun. And that's where I camped out. So that's where my journey came from. The accident happened back in college where I was, I read um, The Art of the Start by Guy um, and Guy Kawasaki in his p- title, he described himself as Apple's chief evangelist. And I was like, the only time I ever heard evangelist was like at church, but the concept stuck with me. So one of the companies I worked at, I had him switch out on my name tag when I was the IT in the IT manage IT services. I had him switch out on my name tag from being a, um, what do you call it? the uh, a sales account executive to change it to um, the IT, to technology evangelist. Um, and because uh, I went to this networking event and just everybody was saying the same crap. So I said, I need to stand out. And that's the philosophy I live by in order to be successful, do the opposite of what everyone else is doing. So I literally had them change that title. And I just was like, you know, our company and just use that evangelist mentality. Like we want to help you um, and was just su- super passionate for what we were doing. Um, 
long story short, so my buddy, we were trying to figure out for some podcasts now, and this podcast that just came on the scene, Jeb Blunt was like one of the only shows, and there was like two other podcasts out there, um, the Advanced Sales Podcast and, and, and a couple others. But anyways, I my buddy was like, you should do a podcast focused on rookies and um, helping folks out who are starting off. You know, you had your struggles. And I was like, sure. But then rookie sales just didn't sound right. And then I was like, well, what about that? We started names dropping some ideas. And I was like, well, as a technology evangelist, he's like, you're always talking about sales. You're like a sales evangelist, like a preacher for sales. So, and essentially that's where that came from. And that's how that was coined. Like evangelize what's working, what's been helping us out in sales. And that's how TSC was born. Jesus, man. The background. He's done, he's done more in like five years than I've done in my life, Scott. <laughs> well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to disagree with you. Go ahead. Well, let, 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 let me ask a question or, or two, sure. Richard. Let me participate in this, in this conversation. Uh, you started off by, like you started off by saying, you know, you're all about building pipeline, mm-hmm. right? What are a couple pipeline building tips and tricks that, you know, have evolved, let's say, this year that people need to pick up and start implementing? Everybody's suffering. Everybody's struggling. Less than 50% of people hit their, their targets right now. Like, give people a couple actionable tips that they can take into the new year. Yeah. I remember when you you came on my show last year, one of the things yeah. that we talked, I think it was last year, time flew, it was last year, earlier this year, but we are talking a lot about like, you know, ABM account-based strategy and account-based marketing. Um, and, you know, that's like, you know, if people are not doing that, then, you know, they should, whatever, they should figure that out, stuff out. But one of the things that I've learned that's been very helpful for me um, is going back to like the hyper-focus, um, not necessarily like personalization, but selling based on that intent. And I know we know intent has been out there for a minute, right? You know, but as far as like really like going back like in one tool that I've been uh, privy to be able to experiment with is like, say like, you know, with LinkedIn's um, sales navigator utilizing, um, when is this episode going out? Uh, next week, Monday oh. or so. Call it mid-December. All right. So anyways, one of the things, that, so one of the pieces that I'm passionate for and that has been working for us is just going back to this notion of selling based on insights and triggers. So let me give you for, for example, and this is not necessarily anything that's like revolutionary, but the concept I see that works tremendously well is generally most salespeople, when they create their sequences, whether it's in loft or outreach or whatnot, it is very market-centric, a blanketed message that's going sent out. We tend to take our time to really, really hyper-focus to say, if I'm reaching out to a sales executive, we know for our business, that's great. If somebody is really uh, new into their role, that's a trigger item that we like to utilize. The other thing that we take advantage of when it comes to like selling based on insights, for instance, is just like the, you know, try to look at metrics. Let's talk about the company is growing or if right now, if they're, you know, what are some of the industry related challenges that they're facing? And we use those things to help us. Um, everyone in everyone will say, you know, the basic stuff, like we're going to help you save money. We're going to help you reduce expenses or whatnot. But when you come with something concrete, like Scott, I see that you're, you know, recognize that obviously the industry, your industry is declining in the manufacturing space and specifically in Michigan where you guys are. We noticed that this is some of the things that you guys are doing in your company. I have an idea that I feel could help, but we're coming back with stuff that they're doing. I mean, it's it, it's just like really targeted to their organization and using that. And I, I can't really like go 
um, there's a tool called LinkedIn Deep Sales, which you guys will probably, more, more people probably hear more about, but that's one avenue that's been helping us out. And obviously people use Zoom Info as well to take advantage of that. But insight-based selling is the way that helps us. The other thing is this omni-channel. I mean, I can't really go back to tell you like, here's a silver bullet that's worked. But for our team specifically, when we do outreach, we will send a personalized email like that as focused on an insight. We utilize text messages as well in that campaign. And I know a lot of people are apprehensive about taking advantage of text message and we take advantage of the phone um, in those uh, in that uh, campaign as well. So it's more it's it's really heavy on getting them on whatever platform works for them. Video has always been a part of our tool belt. And we take advantage of it and based on your interaction. So if I send Scott you an email and you're not necessarily responding, but you're engaging with our stuff, I go back in and we use snail mail at that point to supplement that. But we're going from every angle and really focusing on those insights. And I mean, basic things that people already know, like multiple people in the plot in the organizations, but all of those different organ individuals and in organizations, they're going to have different needs. So like for us, us, if it's sales enablement, if it's a VP of sales, and then if we're reaching out to a director of sales, like all of them have different things that they might want to focus on. So we're not sending the one campaign to each of those individuals, but using omni-channel towards all of that. I don't know if that makes so sense. Let's dig into the the text messaging thing. Yeah. Talk about, talk about exactly how you use that. When in the process, what's the message? What's the re response and reaction people should expect? And then if you get a positive or negative response, like what do you do with it? Yeah. So the way that we do it, it's not like a blast. I know some, and I, I want to clarify that this is not like, you know, load up, you know, 150 phone numbers and then just like blast them out. We yeah. just in our sequence, we use Apollo internally um, for our uh, cadence. But let's say if I do a phone call, what I use on a voice message on a phone call, uh, I will advertise my email that I am sending as well. And then on the email that I send, I mean, and then uh, when I call you, um, I will, uh, on the so voice message, advertise the email. And then I will also send a text message to advertise that I left a voicemail um, as well. So it may sound something like this, Scott, this is Donald. I'm the one who called a little bit earlier. If it's easier to respond here, go ahead and do so. It's about blank, whatever that insight that we're focusing on, whether it's like, you know, the, you know, yeah. helping a team build Piper or whatnot. But actually, that, I want to, I want to, I want to stop you here for one second, because the thing that was really smart with that, it was the, <clears throat> the line where he said, if it's easier for you to respond here, because now you're, you're doing two things. You're opening up that either way is okay. And you're empowering that person to pick which way works best for them, which I think is really, really critical. So I just wanted to articulate that part. Keep going. Yeah. It allows our team to then pivot because we have, instead of, I do have a couple of BDRs that, you know, one of them is just like LinkedIn genius, like just absolutely would love LinkedIn. Another one, he is like, he can sit on text message, but he's not afraid of making a phone call. But we try to go by the platinum rule. Like you know, the golden rule is treat others the way that you would like to be treated. The platinum rule, treat others the way that they would like to be treated. So by you telling us that, then we pivot obviously to say, well, move mo most of our communication to communicating with text with Scott um, or vice versa, but figure out where they how want you, to camp out. How do you, will you cold text somebody? Oh yeah. Like, well, cold text in a, let me, our sequence, our cold outreach sequence consists of LinkedIn first. So we're going to kick that off. Uh, all of our campaigns kick off with that. So for the 
three days beforehand, we'll send out a personalized connection request. So it's not going to be like, hey, Scott, I see that you're in my network. It'll be great to connect. Like, hey, Scott, I see that you're in um, Southern California um, and I might find something that might be relevant to Southern California. I, I mean, surfing one, probably give it away because you, you know, you like. Donald, you just failed. Oh, Scott. You're Texas. You're Texas. He's in Austin, Texas. No, no, no. no. He got close. He got close. He's, gonna, he's only going to respond if you say something about surfing and tequila. If you just say surfing, <laughs> it's not enough effort. If you know the tequila, then you're in. No. If, I'm, if I say tequila, all right, great. Scott, tequila, but, um, let's connect. Yeah, I mean, even better would be if you just send me a bottle of tequila. He was talking about utilizing you. snail mail. Might as well just send me one. So I, you got, I, I got to get, I, I, if I send out that to everybody, you know, I, I'll break, go broke real quick, but I want to see if you're going to, you know, you're going to earn it. You're going to open up my email. <laughs> so I want to um, come back but, to, I want to, I do want to come I, back to, so you've sent the LinkedIn message first. Somehow you yeah, got your cell phone number. Do you get pushback around? Do you only send the cell phone message? And then we lost Scott or if he just turned off his camera. Um, we only send the link, the text message if they respond to LinkedIn or they accept the connection, or is it like, nope, just no. go to town and go? Yeah, we do it all because we don't know where they are going to preference. Um, so the the way that we, the way that, let me give you an example of what worked with that LinkedIn message and you'll see how this all ties back. I was reaching out to a team, the sales leader and one of their team members from um, uh, Atlanta. And um, I know obviously Atlanta been to some of the restaurants there so my outreach message wasn't like hey i see that you're in uh you know new to your position buy our services it was um i need a local expert advice um out of curiosity do you feel that varsity burger is really up for the hype or blah and uh varsity burger everyone in atlanta knows that so that led to a, a pretty good it, it, he didn't reply right away so then i sent up you know he, he accepted my connection request and didn't reply so i just said hey what's up do you really think so and then he was like yeah only if there's a um you have access to a bathroom not all of them going to fall in that situation but because we made such a personal connection right uh, about varsity burgers my email now went back to as we kicked off that sequence you go back and change your subject line um was like um you know varsity burger uh, maybe i won't try varsity burger but now that email goes right. into it and then you know if he doesn't reply there i can send a text message hey it's donald from linkedin talked about varsity just, just out of curiosity that yeah just out of curiosity and i'm not i don't mind it you know we're not here to, to plug it but when you take this personalized omni-channel approach and to a certain extent getting multi-threaded early with this yeah. person do you find that you can set that first meeting in five or six touches versus the standard 13? Oh, for sure. By far. With this one, that process I told you about, it was like literally after the email went out um, and then it was through the, um, and I sent a text message and then we got um, the meeting booked uh, for it. Um, and the reason is I, you can, you could, you could, you could get it on, you know, go through LinkedIn to take advantage of that as well, um, to that communication. Um, and it actually was for, he, he positioned us to get connected with his supervisor and his supervisors who we got the text message conversation with, um, through that. But what's the best, you know, what's the is, best way for people to, what's the best way for people to acquire textable phone numbers right now that you're finding? So, there are. Um, no dogging them. I just heard 
from the grapevine. Well, let's what I use is Apollo and Apollo. Uh, I have that the plan which allows for us to get the direct dial. And yeah. I would say probably 90% of the time that direct dial is a cell phone number. I got one today when I was doing some outreaches and it was a, it was with a, it was a direct line with the extension, but most of the times it's a cell phone number. Um, for that individual. You can use uh, Zoom Info has their capabilities as well um, that you can take advantage of. And then um, Seamless.ai, they're big on that idea of getting the personal information, uh, getting that um, personal direct dial. Now, one thing this, um, that was asked, Richard asked about it was like, do, what are people pushback? I was really afraid, Scott, because I grew up a millennial growing up in that era where cell phone is like precious. You don't you don't touch that cell phone, man. You, you, call, <laughs> you call it a business line. And um, we were apprehensive against about it. And it took us a while before we started using direct dial. But I'm like, screw that. We're paying for it. Let's do it. And as we started reaching out, I have never, and I'm being totally honest with you, Boy Scout here, never had a blowback with somebody saying, um, why are you reaching out to me on my cell phone? Because I think that came right after the, the pandemic heal, where so many cell phones became intertwined with their business communication yeah. and people working from home. So we've never seen an issue. So thank you, COVID, for that. <laughs> How? What other? What other, you? We we talked a little bit about omni-channel and some of the different, um, you know, ways you're going about building pipeline. Mm -hmm. What What is your philosophy, and and what are you teaching right now in terms of, in terms of community, and utilizing peer to peers and kind of selling together, co-selling, for example. How How are you thinking about that, and how are you advising people? in that, in that arena. Yeah. You know, I'm a big believer in that. Um, we have, we use our, we, our community is based on us on circle circle.io. Um, I had LinkedIn and Facebook groups, but, um, Zuckerberg kind of limits what I can do, but with circle, we have our sales community and definitely we always in all of our cohorts, we encourage the idea, let's network, figure out who's in, who's in what organization, because most of us are swimming to the same pond um, not selling the same product mostly, but you're selling the same industries. Can we help each other out? And by far, you could definitely do that. I'm a big navigator fan. And one of the easiest ways you can do so as well with the not necessarily co-selling on this standpoint, I recommend all salespeople. Um, and I know some people push back on this. I say, pull up your, put your accounts in navigator, like put your, make a, make a list of your accounts. So if you want to just say, so let's say, for instance, get a list. If you're using Salesforce, you can connect it. Um, but if not, just find your customers, put them on a list in Navigator. And then over that 90-day, look at it, who's changed jobs over the 90-day period. And those are some key people that you could take advantage of to be able not take advantage why would, of. Work why would people be resistant to, to that? I Dude, I don't know. Some companies have the policies. What well, you can't extrapolate information from our CRM, or you don't want to. This is why. Uh, I like yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. I see. Yeah, you know can't I mean? take data out of our CRM. We own it. Da, 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 da. Yes, it's amazing that some of these archaic philosophies still exist. Yeah, I, right. Just out of curiosity, <laughs> how how often is that hearing? Are people hearing that? And theoretically, you're not taking the data out if the data just says it's this company and then you go find that company right unless i'm misunderstanding how you're what you're suggesting you're not actually yeah when it, data out yeah it's just the integration of that data right um oh you mean connecting the two like if you connect your yeah. CRM doing oh yeah see i'm so well i'm thinking manually that i have to manually go type that if, shit in scott so 
if you're not using Salesforce, it's something that can integrate with Navigator. Yeah, you're going to definitely do it manually. But um, what I find, but, you know, it just sometimes people just have their weird uh, reasons. I mean, I remember, for instance, once when I was working with one of my, um, my one of my sales leaders didn't want us, want us, this is way back, didn't want us to go on LinkedIn because they thought if you went on LinkedIn that you're trying to find better jobs. And I'm like, um, first off, um, now I am I'm trying to make money. <laughs> as soon as you tell me that, yes, I'm looking for better jobs. It's just so wild to me that this type of thinking, you know, still exists and hopefully people learn somewhere the, yeah. the right types of questions to ask before going to an organization these would be great questions to ask by the way if i was in the interview yeah. process right like how do you think about data in the crm and me going about this you know to use linkedin in this particular way and that type of stuff i, I mean i i can imagine people don't ask that get into a role, find out they can't do certain things, feel like their hands are tied and are frustrated and struggle, struggle yeah. to close deals and ultimately wash out. That's a lose-lose for both parties. Oh, do you 100%. feel that do you feel that people actually wait to get permission for that though, Scott? Like, or is it like the technical connection part you're asking? I, I, frankly, I think people don't ask. But do they do they need to? Like if I'm a salesperson, yes. I of course you need to ask. Why would you not ask that? Look what can happen if you don't ask. If you just assume, like like I did and do sometimes, like duh, doesn't everybody know that? If we just assume that, then a lot of people are ending up in roles where they can't do certain things and they're fucked. Yeah. And it's especially if you're in a sensitive type of uh uh well, here's one of the other ones that I've gotten from salespeople. I'm like, if you're going to get hacked you, or and from leaders, if you're going to get hacked, you're going to get hacked no matter uh, you know what. But I can't be, behave my life on this idea that I the 1% chance that I might get hacked or my LinkedIn account may get hacked. But there, you know, it's like this protective idea that if I, I don't want to put my customers on there, because if what if somebody gets in there and see my customers? I'm like, that's the stupidest thing in the world. Um, like, or I don't want to connect with my customers on just my regular LinkedIn profile because I, you know, people will go in there and try to find that. Like, bro, people could find your customers no matter what. Um, without that, we can use dark data um, or dark funnel capabilities to be able to get some more information. So it, it, it doesn't really matter on that front. Um, so yeah, there's all kinds of uh, excuses, and I think what it comes down to is like, you know, people have fear. Uh, what you know fears of what could go wrong like what look at what's the possibilities what could go right if my salespeople, all of them in their in their territory know when their customers are switching roles or know you know who's living what companies like those are low-hanging fruit that's like money that we can get because they're more than likely going to be happy with us and want to take us to the new firm so yeah it, it's interesting scott aren't you surprised that i'm like just go for it and i'm not being like the legal-minded <laughs> pessimistic scary guy because usually it's me you, this is a total role reversal rich is like what do you mean why would i ask i'm just gonna go do it and scott's like no, no i'm not well maybe we misunderstood each other i'm not saying ask for permission i would also just go do it i'm saying before i ever took the job yeah i would be curious to ask that question so how do you so let's let's pause for a second for people listening who are a lot of people you know it's people are trying to interview all that kind of things how do you ask that question how do you ask let's ask, let's ask donald how, how would you ask that question in the interview process, Donald? My job is to make money. Are you going to handcuff me? <laughs> <laughs> you really? You I, look, I love that. <laughs> what do you mean by handcuff? Yeah. 
you know, so, you know, obviously co certain companies have different policies when it comes towards utilizing uh, social media or util integrating with different solutions. Are you, are you, has uh, our IT um, progressive enough where they would allow me to be able to utilize LinkedIn to its full capacity to be able to integrate um, to get my customers um, in the, on a list? Or is that going to be like red tape approval from the board type of uh, situation? It's a great question. I also love the fact that if you ask a question that way, there's not many CROs or VPs of sales who even understand what you're asking. Uh, just do what you need to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, now that being said, when you use that word integration, they may not necessarily understand that there's this backend API integration piece and yeah. they may not know the right answer. So it could be you have to give more specific details, but I do like you asking that question and I appreciate you sharing how to ask that. Yeah, um, for sure, man. So let's say, so let's, let's flip it. Let's say I'm currently at a job right now, right? It's, no, it's almost December 1st, 2022. I'm hanging on for dear life to make sure I don't get laid off. Right. And I want to start doing this. Do I now go ask my VP of sales? Do I just go do it? Do I not use the integration piece? Um, and then I have another question around this, but or do I just have to do the manual piece? Like, what's your advice at this stage? Because if you kind of go ask for permission, now you might be raising a red flag that you're going to do something they may not want you to do. Yeah. So what do you talk? Think, what do you, what advice do you give those people currently in their role? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm about survival um, in a situation like that, right? Like, I I'm, I can't just sit around and wait for something. I I need to make something happen, right? So if your company is in a situation where it's like a dire strait, yeah, manually look them up. You don't need to put every last customer on there, but let's look at the accounts that are the most ideal and ones that maybe you know who'd be a good fit. Like maybe some of the criteria. Run a run a run a, a a search right now in in your Salesforce and maybe do some of the certain criteria. Who's going to be what accounts may have, um, you know, in a certain industry that you're focusing on, and maybe the industry that looks has a calendar year of January one or or whatnot. Are there certain deals or uh, companies that I can put into this into my LinkedIn list or a certain uh, particular contacts, and I can track those individuals and see. Um, but I think your company will be more happy with you generating money if in the long run, even if it's uh, breaking off the policy. I, I have another question. CROs will yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll find a way around stuff if they if their numbers look good. That's true too. Your CRO <laughs> should back you up, right? Is it, and I don't know, right? To do this integration piece that we're talking about, we spent a lot of time on it. I know, right? Is it, is it, hard to do, like is, is this one of those things where it's like hey richard you know take salesforce use zap connect it to linkedin can i do that as an individual or does it really need to go through a company process like you know I, i'm a solopreneur so for me to do this i'm like oh that'd be fair, fairly easy right but is it does it really take some technical skill to get it done yeah, it doesn't take much technical skills. I mean, it's just like any other integration. Like most people, I don't think even need, you don't need to do Zap um, because they have the direct integration to Salesforce. So it's just unless your company, Salesforce has a lot of different permissions. So if your company has certain per permissions on there, then you're that's going to cause you to have the the challenge and you need to go get people's attention. But for the most part, you should just be able to do a straight um integration cool. and maybe they're not paying attention to it already and they don't have a policy on that so <laughs> and maybe they don't have an integration uh a criteria on that so 
Um, cool. All right. Well, we're going to pause for a second. We want to thank uh, Outreach, uh, Vidyard, Sendoso, Scratchpad, MedRep Meeting, all of our sponsors who always help us um, support the podcast and, and even our event. Next event's coming up in May 2023. Go check it out, surfandsales.com. Uh, at minimum, go put your deposit down. Invest in yourself. That's the key piece. If you're not going to invest in yourself, why should someone else? So please check us out. Uh, flip it over to you, though, Donald. You know, sure. what, what questions do you have for us? What can we do to help you? You've been so gracious with your time and wisdom and knowledge. Yeah. I mean, obviously, right now, you guys see the climate and see what's going on. What are some of the things that you're getting? You you have a lot of guests that come on your show and people that you're interacting with. What are some of the things that you're, you're seeing um, when it comes to sales outlook for 2023 going into a tightening of the economy situation it feels fairly apocalyptic on yeah. my end <clears throat> that's what i hear i, I mean I, I don't i'm not feeling that personally but i keep hearing the all this apocalyptic type stuff which is feels like it's sort of conditioning everybody to believe you're going to struggle you're going to fail you might lose all yeah. this kind of thing. And so that starts to seep into everybody's mind, I think. And, uh, you know, that makes the excuse factory doors kind of open up a little bit. So, some, I mean, some of it is real. I'm not trying to dismiss it entirely, but the story we tell ourselves is so important. You know, so I'm, I kind of worry about that. I, I see a lot of people who are desperate, frankly, um, desperate tactics to build pipeline or close deals, desperate for help and desperate for some silver bullet that maybe exists of how they can do better. Yeah. Um, and I see a lot of, a lot of panic, a lot of, a lot of kind of a, a little preemptive strike, if you will, where people are getting nervous and laying people off and making changes and donald's been here for three weeks and you know hasn't completely changed the whole <laughs> org like we got to move on from him type of thing so unfortunately that's what i'm hearing and seeing richard yeah i i hear and i see and i feel all of this right like i see the same thing um you know some of it makes me angry Right. It's like I think we've all been harping for years that the goals are too high. The goals are too high. Nobody wants to believe us. Whoops. Better lay a bunch of fucking people off because we're not going to hit our goal. Right. It's like, well, yeah. What the fuck did you expect? Um, now, the flip side of that is, hey, I'm glad people have jobs. So, yeah, over hire. I'm, I'm kind of OK with that, too, because I want people to have a job and have an opportunity to make a living. Um, agree with Scott on the fear factor. What I try to remind people is that. Everything you hear in closing your deals is a slightly more convenient excuse for the same issue you've always gotten. Trust me, a year ago, five years ago, whatever, when the economy was great, it's not like people were taking your price and not trying to negotiate. It's not like people weren't trying to hammer you down as a salesperson. It's just very comfortable to say, well, you know, it's the economy. So, you know, it's kind of that. And that's a belief system of theirs. But believe me, if the economy were just fine, they'd still be hammering you on price. We need a lower price. We didn't budget for it that much. Da, da, da. So for me, it's a little bit about reminding people of like this reality and teaching them that when people say that, yes, they are cutting and slashing their budgets. Yes, they are trying to be mindful about cash flow. Ultimately, though, you know, 
it's the same argument always. So don't let the scare stuff scare you. I fully recognize that people have goals. They're trying to hang on to their job. They're trying to do all those things. So I agree with Scott. People are getting super desperate. Um, I don't know that they're any more desperate than they used to be. You know, the last <laughs> week of June, the last week of you know March, the last week of December last year, like they're still just as desperate to hit the number. It's just feels better. And it's a convenient excuse. The board will finally buy it. Okay. It's the economy. Okay. Yeah. I got it. Right. Um, what are those desperate tactics you're seeing? Is it just like, is that a spray and pray mentality or just it's, like it's everything it's spray and pray it's heavy discounting. It's um, it's, it's, you know, managers putting so much pressure on their reps to call the customer five times, right? It's November 30th. I can't imagine what it's like to be a sales rep today in an office. And you've been waiting for this deal to get closed and your manager's just hammering you because everybody knows the economy's tanking and they're trying to get to the end of the year. And it just, the pressure feels greater. That's the desperation I see is the level of pressure that's being applied. There's always pressure. It just, for some reason, leaders think you can apply more and that, you know, uh, the beatings will continue until morale improves. And so the beatings are just getting worse and worse right now. Here's, here, here's a perfect example, Donald. Sure. Is a message that, uh, that I got the other day <clears throat> was a screenshot of something that yes. somebody else was the recipient of. And Richard knows what I'm talking about here. Yep. It was essentially saying there's a day left in the in the month or whatever, right? And then speaking as if they were a rep, if the rep was saying, hey, I, it's all good. Like I still have December to, to hit my quarterly quota, quarterly quota. The leader in this particular case it was like that's the worst possible you know mentality to to have and like going at them and just like hammering them to do everything that they can do to close the deal in the next two days right. no matter what and you know that's just not that doesn't work anymore no if it ever did yeah. right it doesn't work anymore in this kind of market with how educated buyers are now, with how many alternatives there are to your product or service. Um, so there's just, there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on. Yeah, I, I and the, what that also tells me, and, and I have one more example that Scott knows about, is that it's a clear indication of poor leadership. Yeah. If you're putting this on me now, where were you in March when you could have give, paid for me to do some training to get better at some of these things? Where were you last December when you were finalizing goals and you just took this pie in the sky approach, right? And then you don't want to give me any resources, even though the economy's fine, right? Um, so I see that. We actually, there's a, there's a, there was someone who came to Surf and Sales a couple of weeks ago. First night he gets there, literally the first night. He gets a note. He showed it to me. I showed it to Scott. Um, and literally the manager had sent this to the sales team saying, uh, hey, everybody, it's getting close. We're at the end of December or getting the end of November, end of December. Holidays are upon us. By the way, no more vacations are approved. Do you remember this, Scott? You remember seeing this text? So you're you're on mute, buddy. First time in life. Yeah, I just failed. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. And it's like, I just like, can you imagine getting that, Donald? Yeah. Bro. And yeah. Uh, now I it's will still say, happening. I will say that 
through growth, Scott has changed because I used to have many texts from him when I first met Scott and he was a first time sales leader. Different arena, different 20, <laughs> 20, 20 years ago, different process. I dude, I'm I'm saying what I'm saying is for the leaders out there, for the people who want to be leaders, just because someone is that way, you can yeah, you can evolve. You can evolve. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so um I've been I on a, of those from Scott. I had a one of my leaders once told me, uh, he said that you're um he said that you're gonna learn a lot from your bad leaders and your good leaders. And I was like, what am I gonna learn from the bad leaders? He's like, you're gonna learn what not to do. Um and that take those things and learn what the good leaders do and apply those. Um and he was a hundred percent right. Yep, hundred percent. So yep. And I just want to comment on what you said about the mentality again, like there's always opportunity. If you go back, you know, matter what, whatever challenging time, I remember at the top of the pandemic, like I was like, holy crap, that, that bottom just fell out from underneath us. Um, I remember I saw like I had some deals and there's um, I had 30K in revenue just like and it was going to be reoccurring. It's like totally just evaporated. And I was like, I was like, oh, my goodness. But one of the things, though, that I did see was that people still needed to have life function they still needed their business to go they still needed things going and and it may not be as easy and i think the error of the order takers um definitely dies off in situations like this you got to be a deal maker where you you know find a way companies are going to have money it's just that they're going to be tight on maybe the way they spent it so can you come forward and create an opportunity make me want to spend that money you know what i mean yeah or make that investment so Cool, man. Well, this has been good and fun. And Donald, you know, I'm glad we were able to finally catch up with you and, and do this. Um, so thank you for joining us. So if people want to get a hold of you, I'm assuming LinkedIn's the easiest way. Uh, any other way you want to give out your cell phone number so they can text you cold? Please, you can go ahead and text me. Um, if you're good enough, I'll respond. Um, Look at that. <laughs> um, you can find it anyways. And I don't know why people try to hide their stuff these days. Anyways, they're going to call me. Anyway. So you can right, um, yeah. hit me up on any platform, Donald C. Kelly. Hint, um, trade secrets here. Um, LinkedIn is my platform of uh, for a hand cam out, camp out the most. So you're probably going to have run into some traffic on that, but go on to Instagram and follow me there because it's not as many as LinkedIn and you probably have an easy way to communicate with me. I gave that guy advice once and somebody reached out and made total sense. But as a seller, think about that as well. Uh, what platform your ideal customer camps out on and where they probably have less I, I, traffic. I didn't camp out. I fucking moved into LinkedIn. You like, moved into LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm squatting. I'm a squatter. You're, you're squatting there. But you can hit me up on any platform, Donald C. Kelly. Um, and then you can find me, uh, hit me up on my cell phone as well. Send me a text, 561-578-1729. There you go. See, Scott's still Love afraid that. about his cell phone. <laughs> what are you talking about? 530-209-3667. All right. Blow him up, everybody. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be the only one who doesn't? Real, no, the real, on, the buddy. Real... I've been doing this for years. 415-596-9149. Okay. Now, now, the real winner is... Who gets the most? Who? Not well, maybe. Go. But who's, <laughs> the real winner is who sends one to all three of us at the same time <laughs> as a group as a group message that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying <laughs> yeah. all right donald my man Thanks thank guys you guys for having me pleasure brother it.